This audio is brought to you by Business Radio, powered by Wharton. From the campus of the University of Pennsylvania Wharton School, this is Leadership in Action on Business Radio, powered by the Wharton School. Here is Professor Mike Usim, Jeffrey Klein, and Anne Greenhall. All right. Welcome to Leadership in Action, Sirius XM Business Radio, powered by the Wharton School. I'm Jeff Klein. I'm the executive director of the Ann and John McNulty Leadership Program here at Wharton, and I am in the studio with my friends, Mike Usim. Hello, Jeff. There he is. He's the director of the Center for Leadership and Change Reporting Management. Reporting for duty. <laughs> and Ann Greenhall. Hi, Jeff. All right. Deputy director of the McNulty Leadership Program, known to generations <laughs> yeah. of Penn freshmen as the one and only Dr. G. That's true. All right. <laughs> Well, it's nice to be here with you guys. The band is back. Yeah. The original threesome. <laughs> what um, What are you in the mood for? What do you want to play? <laughs> oh. <laughs> if I, I understand lay down you a groove, like outlaw country is what I understand. Yeah, Channel 60. If you've, uh, you, know, you should stay with us. It's going to be a really interesting interview, but <laughs> might want to kick over for a little Mojo Nixon at some point. <laughs> there you go. Right? Shooter Jennings has a pretty good show, too. <laughs> anyway, I get carried away. Um... We're going to talk about leadership. I think that seems appropriate, right? Good topic. And title of the show. Yeah, you know, it's the title of the show. Um, and we've got some pretty interesting guests tonight, you know, and we're, we will bring our first guest on in a little bit after we warm ourselves and our listeners up here. Um, <laughs> but I, I do want to preview it because our, our first guest has written a book that some might say we could have written. <laughs> And that book is entitled We Are the Nerds, right? Because, you know, and I mean, you guys are charming nerds, but you're, you're kind of nerds. You know, Jeff, I thought it was because it was a thick book. You were going to make the analog. But, no, no. So we're actually on the cover. We're actually part of the title. I, huh? Well, I thought so. And I would just wonder, like, I experience you both as pretty intellectual people. Oh, okay. Right? All That's right. a nice compliment. I'm going to write that down <laughs> yeah. and send it to yeah. the dean. Okay, thank pretty, you. Pretty, 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 yeah, yeah, pretty intellectual. I caught that. I would just be curious, has has the sort of intellectual side of learning and viewing the world, has that always been a part of your identity? <laughs> Um, or is it something that emerged, you know, later in life, whether that was adolescence or college or, you know, for Mike, it might still be <laughs> blossoming. <laughs> yeah, it's coming. Yeah. How many books has Mike yeah. written? <laughs> or maybe it's just bolted on somehow. Because <laughs> you know? I, I will say self-referentially, um, I was called a nerd. Uh, no. Oh, yeah. No. Much no. Of, the Jeff we know. No. It, it couldn't be Jeff. No. It's called a nerd. He's now. Gonna, my mom, who may or may not be listening, um, <laughs> didn't do me a lot of favors because I started to wear glasses early in life, right oh, around okay. uh, the time I was probably kindergarten, no, maybe first really? grade. Oh, elementary and school. And I had very um, large, because I have a big head. It's great. It's a great head for radio. <laughs> okay. Uh, I had very and large. No, no comment. No comment. <laughs> brown plastic, you know, framed glasses. And I had pretty thick lenses. Um, and I wore through all through elementary school, didn't get contacts until right before eighth grade, which started to change some things for me. So, you know, the common at, at that point growing up in the, you know, the 70s in uh, 
in suburban America, people that looked like that were sometimes referred to as nerds. And, and so that's always – there's always been a part of me that was like, all right, eh, people have been saying it forever. So when I saw the huh. book title, which is a great book, and we're going to talk all about our guest, Christine Ligorio Chafkin, who is – uh, an award-winning journalist and has written this book about the birth and tumultuous life of Reddit, the Internet's culture laboratory. I mean, we're getting to all of that. <clears throat> but I want to know if you guys, did people tell you you were nerds? Do you think you were a nerd? So here's how nerdy I'm going to be. <laughs> oh, uh-huh. good. Uh-huh. Oh, great. I'll, I'll deflect the question. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Go for it, Mike. Uh, there is a two-person play, and I'm going to block on the name, but some of the listeners will know it. That features on stage characters who portray Bill Gates and Steve Jobs. Ah. So the play is about the nerds. <clears throat> so what's wrong with that term exactly? Here's an example <laughs> where bad is good. Yeah, oh, we're reclaiming. so good. Yeah. That's so good. Reclaiming. <laughs> we're reclaiming. Yeah. Well, Jeff, I think I didn't realize I was a student until middle school. Hmm. Yeah. Elementary school, I thought school was all, it was a social event. I mean, why else were we here? We were here to meet people, have fun, maybe learn a little bit along the way. But I didn't really understand what the potential of what school was about until middle school. And and let me guess. Is it it English that piques your interest? (laughs) What what piques the early interest? Oh, gosh. Or is it a particular teacher? You know, that's a great Mm. question. I think it was just in part a little bit of maturation and maturity. That, that just started to hit maybe around puberty that wasn't there. Big growth before. spurt. Growth spurt. Yeah. All <laughs> five, four, 11, and three quarters. <laughs> yeah. Three quarters. Yeah. But now, Mike, I, we're not letting you off the hook totally here. No, right? I, was, I was already hiding behind the microphone. Yeah. In fact, no. M- Mike. Right. Weren't you a wrestler? A little bit. I won't claim, no claims on that one. I, I did wrestle. <laughs> yeah. um, but. Uh, you know, the term nerd and geek, not around, uh, but I think the uh, the quick summary is in my particular high school, which happened to be in the shadow of a university, people tended to be a little bit on the um, academic side, side. which was sort of in the – and in my class, see if this fits your own graduating yeah. senior profile, more than 90 percent went to college. Yeah. Oh, that no. was true. That was not, yeah, that was not true. me. No? no? Not me. No. Mm-hmm. I, I think we were about 40%. Really? And, yeah. And the rate nationally is something like 40, 45% yeah. of high school graduating seniors going yeah. to college at all. So, Mike, if they weren't using nerd or geek, were you ever referred to as a square? No, I think. <laughs> no, no, no. I, I, Jeff, the only term I can remember was cool. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> I think that I think that's what they said. Right. How about this, Jeff? I'm going to try and rescue I, us. All right, all right, all right. Yeah, nice try. All right, here you go. Okay, Ann. Senior yearbook. Uh huh. Most likely to succeed. That was you. Yeah. You. Awesome. Yeah. I know. Yeah. Look how surprised you are. Look at that. No, awesome. I'm not. I'm just going to give Ann a big high five right in the high studio five. here. Yeah. And you owe me twenty bucks. Right? <laughs> yeah. I told you. <laughs> Well, Jeff, the way you look at it, uh, there are three people in the studio, and one out of the three of us was voted most likely to succeed. I think we would actually, we'd probably take the same odds now, right? I'd put my money on Anne. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Oh, God. And you're at, Then how come I'm the lowest ranking person in the room? No, what do you mean? In our, in our minds, you're the top. Oh, thanks, Mike. You can take us out whenever you want. Oh, great. <laughs> 
<laughs> okay. <laughs> All, All right. right. Well, we've had All fun. Right. So, okay. Yes. Let's grab Let me, hold of ourselves. We'll grab hold. Yep. We'll, let's talk yes. about the show we have right. tonight because, as I was mentioning, it is a great show. So, in our first hour tonight, we'll be talking mm-hmm. about We Are the Nerds. Um, and this is not the group therapy that I was attempting to do here with my <laughs> colleagues. Um, but the new book, all about Reddit and its co founders, right? And. I think Mike probably knows the most about Reddit, but we're going to figure out if we have favorite subreddits. If you don't know what I'm talking about, our listeners, Mm. you'll stay tuned. And in the second hour tonight, we're going to be talking with a good friend of the program, Bruce Goldfarb, who is the president and CEO of Okapi Partners. um, And that is a proxy solicitation firm. Uh, If you don't know what I mean when I say proxy (laughs) solicitation firm. Um, Stay tuned for what I'm sure will be a a fascinating conversation with Bruce. Um, So I think we should probably get into it. What do you guys say? Absolutely. Okay, so let's let's welcome our first guest now. Um, She is Christine Ligorio-Chefkin. Hello, Christine. Hello. (laughs) Welcome, Christine. Don't mind us. Yes. No, it's wonderful to be here. Thank you. Yeah, we, um, Christine, we've been doing the radio show for a while, but schedules have um, some somewhat pulled us yeah. in different directions. So it's rare that the three of us are in the studio together. Um, oh, I hear. And yeah. it, 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 we get a little giggly. So <laughs> That is just fine. All um, right. Yes. My colleagues and I at Inc. have our own podcast, so I am familiar. <laughs> oh, very good. And it can spiral out of control quickly. So, you know. Press a button on your phone if you feel like <laughs> feel like we need to eject here. Christine, where were you? A little bit geeky? Oh, you know, I was a glasses wearer as well from a very early age, and I had the unlucky experience of having parents who, who did not want me to give up the glasses and get contacts oh. through the beginning of high school, and I also got braces. Mm, yep. oh. So, you know, I, I, was, um, I was a scrawny... Scrawny little kid with, you know, even through high school, really scrawny with the glasses and the braces. And, uh, oof, I also, you know, was president of the drama club and into (laughs) into theater and edited the newspaper at school. So, you know, Mm -hmm. one of those kids. I also edited the newspaper, oh, and very nice. I would tell you I killed it as president of the debate club. Yeah. <laughs> oh, good. That yeah. I believe. A lot of social capital. A lot of social capital in the debate club. I'm sure. I'm sure you were invited to every graduation party. <laughs> so, Christine, your new book just released is called We Are the Nerds, The Birth and Tumultuous Life of Reddit, the Internet's Culture Laboratory. Um, give us just a sense, first of all, what led you to the book? Um, why did you decide to write this book about Reddit and the story of the co-founders? Yeah, absolutely. Before I even start, do you um, do you think your audience knows much about Reddit? Should we tell them what, what Reddit is? Or Definitely, because that was going to be question two, <laughs> not <laughs> because it. I'm, I'm not an expert. Yeah. How the yeah. book came to be is a little bit long. So um, let me just first say that Reddit... Um, Reddit is the currently the fifth uh, most popular website in the United States. It is, you know, a social site similar to Twitter or Facebook, but the users are anonymous in that they can use any name they want. Um, and therefore, it's sort of a bulletin board for anything under the sun. It is, you know, advice on um, on relationships or finance or, um, you know, there's just plenty of stuff on entrepreneurship and business as well. But um, really anything from the day's top 
top headlines to the funniest memes uh, made fresh that day is, you know, the stuff on the top of the site every day. It's sort of where where the, the news that you read on blogs and things like BuzzFeed, uh, a lot of those ideas kind of come from Reddit and Redditors. So, um, so a so Redditor is a Reddit user. Redditor, yeah. I said okay. Redditor, I don't know. But, uh, <laughs> yeah, Redditor is what they call them um, since user has that sort of uh, connotation of, you know, being just a just a you know person buying something. But um, <laughs> so anyhow, you know, the Reddit is is massive today. It has more than three hundred and thirty million users uh, a month, and um, I started looking at it when it was a lot lot smaller. It was around 2011, 2012. It was already a site that had the power. To sort of shake media. Um, I was a, a young reporter, and I would notice that my colleagues got so excited when one of their headlines, something that they had written, got to the front page of Reddit or even to the top of a section of Reddit because it just drove so much traffic to the media company sites. Um, there was this concept called the, the Reddit hug of death. Um, <laughs> where it, would, it would bring you so much lucrative traffic that it could cripple your site's servers. And Reddit was known already back then as a powerful force. Um, and it was known as um, a place where uh, sites like Gawker, which was the, the big media gossip site at the time, um, would would look for content, would look for like what's what's really trending amongst people, because the concept of Reddit is there's no sort of editors, there's no one in a tower controlling uh, what what information is getting out. It's just content that is posted there, anything under the sun can get upvoted or downvoted by the people who visit the site. So they, in, ter- in collective, act as the editors determining what is popular. So it's like the Internet's virality engine right there. Uh, um, and that's why it kind of started with this tongue-in-cheek nickname, the, the front page of the Internet. Now, it was not the front page of the Internet at first, of course, but it has sort of grown into that. Um, I would say on some days, it really visiting the front page of Reddit really does give you a, a kind of overview of all the news, the things that blogs are talking about, the things that are trending elsewhere are already bub- gonna, they're bubbling up before they trend elsewhere on Reddit. Um, so anyway, to answer your original question. Well, I, can I ask a question oh, before yeah. e- even, even we go to that? Cause yeah, now, sure. Uh, I, I need all kinds of clarity. But when <laughs> when we think about a a like as a user, how how do you start to engage with a site like Reddit? If if one of our our listeners are out there and they're saying to themselves, "All right, I I haven't haven't been on the site." I mean, yeah. how, how how do you how do you start? And part two is is there a I mean, three hundred thirty million people. That's a lot of different people. Yes. Um, but is there a, a sort of profile of a normal Reddit user? Oh, gosh, no. <laughs> I mean, so uh, let me get to that. But firstly, okay. you just go to reddit.com, start reading stuff. I mean, it's funny. It's like you can go to Reddit right now, and um, the stuff that I always love on the homepage is usually photographs. Uh, there's a cat. This is Rusty, the photo of the cat says. Rusty is a silly cat who likes to chew rocks. He lost his bottom teeth and now has a permanent blep. Well, you may not know what a blep is, but a blep is when a cat sticks out their tongue just a little bit. And <laughs> citizens of the Internet find this very funny. <laughs> <laughs> 
So Rusty's real cute. We've got a photo here, and that's that's on um, the homepage. That's actually this one's actually my homepage. So I'm going to log out to see what what's the most generic stuff that everyone would see. Okay, here we go. Yeah, we've got a couple of posts, um, news from the day. Let's see, um, a couple of. Oh, there's a cute dog. <laughs> Two husky dogs. If looks could kill, one looks delighted and the other is quite upset. Uh, it is a video link that I won't won't subject you to. Um, <laughs> Got it. Okay. But so, you know, it's like a little bit of everything. Um, Yankees fans throwing beer at an Oakland fan at the ball game last night. Um, sort of some stuff that falls under mildly interesting, you know, people's observances of the world. Um, and... And uh, odd news, world news that you might not consider, um, you may not have encountered that day. Um, oh, here's a good odd, mildly interesting one, which is one of my favorite subreddits. The water reflecting off of our old trampoline makes it look invisible. So <laughs> this is a photograph that, um, yeah, it really does. Um, the water is reflecting on the fence, which is right behind the trampoline. So it looks like you can see through the trampoline. Now, this may not sound super fascinating to you right now, but um, <laughs> but generally the homepage is a great place to start engaging with Reddit. Okay. It will suggest to you also now um, in, in kind of modern Reddit that it's a lot more like a normal social site. It will walk you through the experience, really. When you're a new user, you create a username. It can be anything you want. And then it starts to suggest to you, oh, you might want to subscribe to r slash sports, which would be you know, everything under the sun about sports. Oh, do you want to subscribe to r slash um, movies? You know, what are you into? And you can sort of select your interests, and it will cater Reddit to you as an individual. You guys might like some of the business subreddits. There's um, there's probably ones for your university sports teams. There's everything. Um and the amount of, of subreddits in the world is really only limited by the amount of crazy ideas um, people can have and the number of sports teams. I mean, there's one for every single team. And, um, you know, there's, there's such crazy stuff out there. There's subreddits dedicated to Photoshopping bicycles out of photographs of people riding the bicycles. So, <laughs> um, you know, there's r slash blep, which is cats sticking out their tongue just a little bit. And, and I'm, then I'm are... sensing a theme with you here. I'm sure. sorry. It's, uh, it's, I just find it very silly that that exists and that that's a real word. Um, I did not know that before becoming a lurker on Reddit. <laughs> You can customize your view of it to any location, um, and so Reddit's becoming something that is supposed to, it, it can be catered to anyone. Um, it can be a suburban mom whose hobbies are knitting and crafting and baking. You know, there's just beautiful food photographs and recipes all over the site. But you could also, I would say more typically, it's like a young guy who's super into gaming. Some of the very most popular subreddits right now are of the video games. Um, it is it is huge. Um, and we can talk a little bit. We can talk about a little bit more about the history of that, okay. that later. Right. But That's yeah. perfect. So tell, tell us then what leads you to the book. Absolutely. So I was a young business reporter, and I had uh, been working at Inc. Magazine reporting on entrepreneurship for a couple of years. Um, and I knew about Reddit, and I was at South by Southwest, you know, the crazy, it's like crazy marketing stunts and 
big conference about um, about everything. At the time, it was called Interactive, you know, everything kind of Internet and tech and culture. And I got an email from, from Alexis Ohanian, who is one of the founders of Reddit, and he said, I want to introduce you to my new bu- my business partner, um, Steve Huffman. And I said, well, these two guys built Reddit. But what they were pitching to me was a completely separate company called Hipmunk. It is a, uh, I learned when I met with them that, that that very day, it was a search site for flights similar to Kayak. Only Hipmunk ranked flights by the agony they would induce on a passenger. <laughs> great. <Yeah>. Wonderful. <laughs> so great idea. They were clearly smart guys building it. Unfortunately for them at that little cafe in Austin, Texas, I had zero interest in there. Uh, their flight search at the time. I really just wanted to learn about Reddit. And lucky for me, um, I, Alexis also lived in Brooklyn where I lived. And we were able to meet up subsequently. And I got to hear the whole origin story of Reddit and how he and Steve, who are two University of Virginia undergrads, when they came up with the idea, well, they, well, I should say when they wanted to build a startup together, um, they, you know, I heard their whole backstory and how they basically took the idea to Paul Graham, who now is is famous for founding Y Combinator, but at the time was just a guy who had sold a company and who blogged a lot and who wanted to start investing and had a little idea for how he could do that by fun, finding little scrappy companies and giving them, you know, six thousand dollars and and hoping they can get through the summer on ramen and, and his advice, you know, and build little companies. So he met with he had met with Alexis and Steve and. And told them that their idea basically stunk. <laughs> they had an idea for food, mobile food ordering, which literally could have become seamless web or um, any of the, the sites you use to order food. Um, it clearly was an idea a little bit before its time because Paul couldn't imagine that anyone would ever text message a food order, which was the only technology available at the time. This is, you know, back in 2006. Um, people weren't texting a ton. They weren't, you know, mobile browsers weren't super useful, um, and apps were not invented yet in, right. in terms of the way we use them on our phones now. But So Paul said, your, your guys, this, this idea is not great, but I think you are great, so do you want to listen to my idea? And uh, he, he laid out this vision for uh, a new site that would, would rank uh, content. Only the most popular stuff would show up at the top of, of the site, and it would be kind of the front page of the Internet, and they completely bit. They said, sure, we will, we will do that. We like that. Alexis was big into media. He loved reading news headlines every day, and Steve was just a really bang-up programmer who, um, who had built a calendar application for his thesis that he was able – he thought, I can use some of that code to, to build a website. Sure. And, you know, I, I heard this origin story, and I heard that, you know, Alexis also went through a few tragedies in the first year of building Reddit, which really resonated with me. And I thought, even back in 2011, that this was a really cool story. And uh, back then, you know, remember startup stories about, you know, founders in a garage hacking something together were really becoming more intriguing again. And I thought, this is a great story. I I had no idea it was not the kind of story that really could be a book at that point, but it certainly was not. But I kept talking to them for years, and I got them, you know, they each agreed to speak to me exclusively for the purpose of of a potential book. I met their third co-founder, Chris Slow, who is just a programming whiz and has a tremendous memory, and he started to share his memories with me, too. And we all sort of thought, 
well, maybe this can be a project, maybe it won't. Um, but, you know, none of them were working at Reddit at the time, so they were very free to talk to me about things they had done and how things actually were in the early days and what it actually takes and the toll it took on their lives and why they sold their company so early and all these great stories. Meanwhile, Reddit itself was just hemorrhaging, just going through leadership change after leadership change and having all this tumultuous rise. I don't think most companies could have survived it, especially most social sites. And I was, as a business reporter, watching as, you know, as Ellen Powell, the feminist hero of Silicon Valley, came in and took the reins and tried to clean up the site and then was basically harassed out of her job by users. Um, and, and then a crazy thing happened, which was that, you know, Ellen, Ellen did resign, and who came back to the company but Steve Huffman, the original coder who hand-built right. the thing, and Alexis was already back sitting on the board. So you, the two founders came back to try to save their website that they had built that they felt like was the most important thing they had ever done as it spiraled out of control. And I thought, okay, this is now a book. And I was able to, um, you know, work with my agent and sent in a proposal and boom, it was like an incredible project um, that I feel like they wrote the story for me in so many ways. And I really lucked into, but um, I, you know, I had those sort of years of, of work and research in before it even became a real, real book. Well, we are talking about, we are the nerds, the birth and tumultuous life, as Christine was just describing, of Reddit, the Internet's culture laboratory. I'm Jeff Klein. You're listening to Leadership in Action on Business Radio, powered by the Wharton School, Sirius XM, Channel 132. And over to you. All right, Jeff. Well, I know we're getting close to a break, so maybe I'll tee up this question, and if we need to pause and come back, uh, we will. So, sure, sorry, it, I know that was a long no, answer there. No, it was <laughs> great. Christine, you just put so much in there. Okay, so I have many questions, but my first is, you said there was something about their origin story that really resonated with you, and what was it about that origin story? Well, they were these guys with a dream, and they just wanted to make a dent in the universe, um, and the fact that they were sort of willing to to take someone else's idea and give it a shot and work together. And they were just two buddies from college, and they were willing to give up steady jobs to take this gamble. And it, it was almost like I was trying to answer the question, did they bumble into this? Like, did they just kind of luck into everything that happened? Or what was the genius there? And so I was kind of fascinated to try to find out every little bit about about how it came to be and who made which decision when and um and and you know I did find two fascinating there were two fascinating people at the core of this story this Steve Huffman the coder he has a brilliant memory and was just was so smart his um he's got kind of a wry sense of humor he's very um he's he's sort of the kind of shy, quiet guy who then all of a sudden when he speaks up, you know, the room just bursts out laughing. Um, he, you know, he and Alexis are so different. Alexis is the opposite, charismatic, tall, social. And to see these two guys work together back in those early days, um, I just, I, I guess I was just really, I wanted to, to hear how that would go because they were so different. Um, and turns out, like, that that was a great thread to pull because their friendship has taken so many turns over the years. Um, and that's been really, um, I don't know, in tandem with their business. Um, and of course, as you know, founders of companies often mm -hmm. have 
great strain on their personal relationships. Um, And that was certainly the case here. Mm, Very good. So good. Jeff, do you want to pause here and we'll come back? Okay. (laughs) Not really, but I guess there are certain rhythms. (laughs) Yeah, there are rhythms. (laughs) For our listeners, uh, we're going to take a short break now. Stay with us. After the break, we're going to talk more with Christine Ligorio-Chefkin about her book, We Are the Nerds, The Birth and Tumultuous Life of Reddit, the Internet's Culture Laboratory. I'm Jeff Klein. You're listening to Leadership in Action on Business Radio, powered by the Wharton School, Sirius XM 132. Give us a call if you can identify that piece of music. one 844 Welcome back to Leadership in Action on Sirius XM's Business Radio, powered by the Wharton School. I'm your host, Jeff Klein, and we I'm here in the studio with my buddies, Mike Usim and Ann Greenhall. And our guest this hour is Christine Ligorio-Chafkin, who is the award-winning author, author of the new book, we are the nerds, the birth and tumultuous life of Reddit, the Internet's culture laboratory. So we spent the first part of the show really laying the groundwork so we and all our listeners know about Reddit right. and subreddit and and the, the long arc of the big story. Mm-hmm. Um, and knowing you, I have a feeling you'd like to explore a little of the more interesting facets. <laughs> so thank you, Jeff. All right. And then I, I promise to make room for Mike Yusim here to get a question in. So, Christine, I have a really naive question here, but just help me understand. How, do, how does Reddit make money? That is a great question that, <laughs> um, that, that you know, Reddit itself would maybe love some advice from you on. Um, <laughs> it, <laughs> No, no, it is an ad-supported site. Um, okay. It has a robust advertising network. I'm joking about it not not making money, but it has been a central question for the company throughout its life. Um, how do we take this, this stuff that people post and get effective advertising next to it, right? Or how do we, how do we even earn anything to pay for our servers, you know? Um, it's a tricky, tricky question, and it's one that you know Facebook and Twitter have been able to answer. But Reddit, with its um, less public users, its sort of anonymous users, mm. that creates a unique situation where even if you have a perfectly, perfectly ready for an ad, uh, you know, subsection of Reddit, say R slash makeup addiction which is hugely popular, and I'm sure tons of cosmetics brands would love to see, um, get, get the kind of impressions that that could bring without being able to sort of provide more specific data um, to those advertisers. I think it's been really tricky for Reddit over the years. Um, you know, now they have some major ad deals. Um, they, you know, you'll see even auto ads on Reddit uh, these days. So they're, they're making headway on it. But as a company, it is still, it is, it's a unique setup of a company, let me say. It, had, it was acquired by Condé Nast hmm. two years into its lifespan for just near, like something like $10 million, a little more than that. And then it was spun out under Advanced Publications, which is Condé Nast's owner, and sort of allowed to act more like a Silicon Valley startup. This was after, um, you know, this was a couple years after the um, 
the housing bubble burst and after the, the sort of financial meltdown. And so once things were looking a little more clear, once money was flowing a little bit more in Silicon Valley, Reddit uh, did get a new CEO and was um, and, and raised money. It raised $50 million from investors. Hmm. So it's a unique situation where it is now a venture-funded company that is majority owned by advanced publications. Okay, very so, good. And hmm. and maybe just one more uh, yes. follow-up and then to Mike. Uh, I have come to appreciate, and I think others uh, as well, that uh, these internet companies have a bright side to them and a dark side. Absolutely. And I'm wondering if how the anonymity uh, works in both ways. Yes, absolutely. Well, think about the bright side. Um, it's It's a lot of the internet right now, to me at least, feels very manicured. It feels, when I look at Instagram or Pinterest, everything feels so influencer heavy and so advertiser heavy. Every every model is photoshopped and, you know, oh, are those oranges actually on her table or is that a setup, you know? I, everything feels a little bit a little bit fake. People aren't necessarily their whole selves when they're posting something to a site where you know their their parents and their um, friends and their employers and their school can read everything about them. Um, but Reddit is, I would say, the the opposite of that. It is the unairbrushed internet. It is a grittier, kind of chiseled edges um, place where folks anonymously can can ask questions that they might not ask. Publicly, um, you see lots of teenagers sort of working things out on the site. You see people asking um, advice, you know, for financial advice from amateurs, for legal advice. Um, this is, you know, remember, this is all sorts of, of Americans and folks mm-hmm. from around the world. And um, it's, it's a lot of kind of, I would say, like a scrappy kind of DIY aesthetic is very popular on Reddit, um, very, very much uh, home improvement projects are very popular. Um, <laughs> folks showing off things that they've actually built by hand, and they don't need to look perfect to be appreciated on Reddit. You know, Redditors are very supportive of one another when they have accomplished even a small thing. <laughs> but um, that said, the anonymity also leads people to post things that they would not otherwise post right, um, right. in public and say horrible things to one another at times. And you know, one thing I kind of noted in the book was that when you take away that identity, you're not taking away the fact that, you know, people still have bodies that can be harassed, right? I mean, mm-hmm. they still have, they still look a certain way. They still, everyone's got their own issues and like everything was ripe for harassment on Reddit at certain times of its life. Mm-hmm. Um, and we've seen, you know, over the recent years, um, the first, during Ellen Powell's tenure as CEO, she decided to enact the first bans of, of horribly abusive subreddits and her team of community managers picked five of those um, there were many more on the site, but um, you know, one of them in particular um, was for basically dedicated to fat shaming. Mm. I know there's worse. I'm not even naming the word. Right, right. And so, you know, they 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 banned those sites, and it's incredible that research has shown researchers dug into this and analyzed a huge, a massive data set of across posts across Reddit and the language that those posts used. They found that years later, the ban of those five subreddits decreased use of kind of vulgar terminology throughout the site, um, site-wide, beyond just the realms of those subreddits. Um, basically, it made the discourse on the site kinder. Um, 
And and so that began a wave of trying to get a handle on, okay, so we have a free speech site. We want people to be able to feel free to say anything. We want them to not feel not feel like they have to put their public identity mm-hmm. um, as part of their site. We want people to say, I have I have X problem or my friend is in need. How do I help him um, without, you know, identifying themselves? But they they had to start cutting down on these what I call dark trenches of yeah. Reddit, um, you know, things like animal abuse or gun sales. I mean, there's just they run the gamut. And most recently, you know, they the, the trouble they ran into was largely political, um, where the politics veered into into, um, you know, anti-Semitism and mm-hmm. anti-Muslim and, and very alt-right sort of beliefs. Um, and those subreddits had to be more recently cracked down on. Oh, great. Thank you so much for yeah, fielding sorry, that. that again, no, long great answer. answer. There's a lot there. Yeah, wonderful. Mike? Yeah, uh, Christine, I'm really intrigued by the subtitle of your book. The uh, you. You've got the, uh, <laughs> the term in that uh, subtitle about the uh, essentially the, the struggles as the company got going. You tell the origin story to use that phrase uh, in, in well, more than passing. It's, it's a core of the book. Yeah. And it's a story often told in that I think we all know at least something about the creation of Uber or mm-hmm. Airbnb. I or, wrote the first major magazine profile of Travis Kalanick, by the way. And, <laughs> well, that and, was also a fascinating story. <laughs> it's a fascinating story, and there's a certain parallel in the stories with a question at the end, as I mentioned, a parallel, which is, it's not a matter of stumbling, but it's a matter of trying to figure out what's going to work. Right. People right. determine, but just not clear where to go. And that's also the story of Jack Ma at Alibaba. Sure. You've probably written about that, too. And so... Well, not actually, but he's fascinating. He is fascinating. And <laughs> I, I think, I mean, the one story often told is uh, Jack Ma came over, I think it was to Oregon, sat down with his friend Jerry Yang of Yahoo. Yeah. And all of a sudden, he's thinking, wow, there's this whole internet thing, and I wonder if I can find a beer distributor in China, and he couldn't. Yeah. And with that interest in finding the source of uh, beer for whatever reason, uh, voila, he ends up moving into Alibaba. Now, all that said, here's the question. As people like us are riveted by the amazing success and growth of the companies we've just uh, referenced here to the point where a lot of people, I think yours truly right here, have thought, geez, I wonder what possibility there would be for me or what, what would it take to get something going. But as you have chronicled uh, the folks here, and we know from elsewhere where you've written as well, there's no linear path. Right, right. So what is the path for somebody who would like to get on it and come out at the end successful if it's not linear? That's, that is a big question. And, um, you know, like, like you are saying, it is sort of a different story for everyone. But um, you know, I write for Inc. Magazine, and I write about entrepreneurship frequently, and I've worked on our 30 Under 30 package uh, many years, um, and so I've talked to a lot of these companies right when they're starting out, and then we get to see them grow, and, um, you know, one that really stuck out to me and I revisited this week was Instagram. Now, I talked to them when they were four guys sitting in a room. They told me I was not there. They told me they were each wearing a flannel shirt. <laughs> <laughs> And I thought, wow, they really, you know, they didn't know quite what they were doing. They had sort of started with something of a social photos, like, site where it was location-based, and then they it was more of a social network, and then they sort of decided to stick with the clean photo thing. And, you know, they were, like, in flux, 
as they were starting to grow and as they were hitting that inflection point where Instagram became something on people's people's radars um, and they gained users. I think when you have a social site where you're dependent on fickle kind of users who are getting your product for free, it's a completely different story than when you are starting a, you know, a sock company mm. or whatnot. Um, that said, the thing that I consistently hear and it's maybe even a little bit of a cliche, a Silicon Valley cliche, but you got to love what you're doing when you start. You have to believe in it, and you should be a person who's going to be using your own service or your own your, well, your product, whatever you are making. You should love it, or else you're just, your heart's not going to be in it, and you're not going to succeed because you have to be your own advocate uh, the whole way, and you have to understand your users' problems, right? So ideally, you should be of their demographic. Um, and that also, fascinatingly, I think is why companies so often resemble their founders. That's mm. why Uber had some of these, these issues with, with its aggression as its, its growth was so aggressive and its company culture was so aggressive. That's because you had this hard-driving founder in Travis Kalanick. Um, I think similarly, Reddit grew into this place with a lot of content about programming and video games and stuff for young men is because it was founded by these two guys right out of college. And sometimes the tone of it resembled, you know, a, a TA break room from a computer science building. It's just mm. all the content would be stuff that that, that person would be interested in. Um, Christine, let me ask about yeah. that. As the company grows, uh, you've made a wonderful point, which I'm, I, I totally uh, subscribe to, which is if you don't have a passion when you're starting something that's really hard, good luck to you. You're not going to get right. too far. Right. right. I think it never works if you think, uh, here's X business model and here's what I'm going to apply it to this industry. Exactly. Right? If it, it gets clinical work. and cold, it's not going to go. Yes. That said, a couple of years later, what you were passionate about in terms of a particular area may no longer be where you want to go. Case right. in point, Jeff Bezos began as a seller of books, and now it's cloud services and fresh lettuce. Yeah. And so over the top there. But anyway, the point is um, a, a founder's got to be just driven, but the founder probably also has to face up after a certain number of years. You can't get stuck with your first idea right. that worked. What do you think? Absolutely. I think flexibility is key. Um, what I think a thing you might be going for there is like in this sort of situation, it's about listening to your users, right? You you need to be the most interested in the people who are buying your product or using your service and what they want. If you can kind of let your thing flow naturally into the most desirable form of itself, that um, that should lead you to, to more success, right? Um, and I think that's why Reddit was able to grow over the years. Um, in part, it had this, you know, it has this fascinating business story because it was acquired by Condé Nast. And it's so different. It's a media company, but it's so different. And it was at that time especially so different than those shiny, glossy magazines and their content and their mm -hmm. big advertisers. It was really scrappy and um, totally, like, dude-centric at the time. Mm -hmm. And um, I think, you know, there's this very, there's this very interesting sort of hands-off, like, management style that they had. They, the Reddit guys would meet quarterly with the new houses who, who run Condé and Advance. And... Um, some other board, sort of proto-board members, they didn't really have a board at the time, but they had advisors. They would share goals, they would make plans, but really the, the Reddit guys were allowed, these four, these usually two to, two to six guys, were allowed to sort of just run this sprawling, growing website on their own out of the wired office in San Francisco, far from, you know, the towers in New York, where the media power was. And because they were given that 
flexibility and because they had this hands-off leadership for years. Um, and Steve Newhouse might disagree with me saying that, but it's really, it is the case that they were allowed so much flexibility that Reddit users could actually fuel the growth of the site themselves. Mm. And they listened to their community so strongly. I think that also led to not only the growth, but some of these communities spiraling out of control and becoming so unwieldy and be, unwieldy and becoming so powerful on their own. So I'm going to just jump in and remind our listeners that I'm Jeff Klein. I'm here with Mike Yuseem and Ann Greenhall. And you're listening to Leadership in Action on Business Radio, powered by the Wharton School, Sirius XM, Channel 132. Our guest this hour is Christine Legorio Chafkin, author of We Are the Nerds, The Birth and Tumultuous Life of Reddit, the Internet's Culture Laboratory. Um, I, I have a question for you guys. Yeah. <laughs> do, you, do you use Reddit? No, not at no, all. Not even a lurker? I I, <laughs> I I think there was a period of time, whew, probably like five or six years ago, where I was vaguely aware of it yeah, yeah. and went to it and was slightly overwhelmed by it like I am by most social media right now. Yeah, yeah. And also at that time, Reddit still looked like it was stuck in 2005. You know, there was this there's this great quote from Bloomberg Business Week that did a feature on Reddit at one point. It said that Reddit had all the aesthetic seduction of a phone book. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah it really, it really sort of did. And, I, and one of my brothers uses it and uh-huh. um, and learns things that are interesting to me because sure. of it. Sure. Which I think is what led me there, but then I found it unwieldy um, and, in general, struggle with time. <laughs> <laughs> I just wanted to bring it back to the group therapy theme from earlier. <laughs> <laughs> so, Christine, the, the question that I've been kind of sitting here with is um, the, the story of founders returning is, yeah. is always yes. an interesting yeah. one. That's yes. a great one, yeah. And, and so c- can you help us understand, uh, obviously there's a, there's a stage to set, um, you know, in, in terms of that, that decision for them, um, but what brings them back and, and how different was the experience than maybe they thought it would be? Yeah, absolutely. Um, well, this was this was just a fascinating part of the story. Um, I think Steve Huffman, you know, who had left Reddit after um, after the acquisition, after three years after the acquisition, um, to start another site called Hipmunk. I think this brought him like it was like years of agony. Um, he he sort of tried to stay away from Reddit. Um, he described it to me. How did he describe it? I think he he's an ex girlfriend sort of um, <laughs> reference. You know, he kind of tried to stay away, but kept looking, kept going back to the site. And kept he would lurk, um, but try not to judge um, too heavily, and try to keep hands off. Um, and meanwhile, Alexis was still chatting with you know the new houses. And when the site made some some decisions um, and and spun out as its own sort of company that could raise venture capital, he was included in the board. So mm. Alexis sort of had stayed in the Reddit universe while Steve really had to cut himself off for a few years. That said, Steve was the one who hand-coded the site and who, who built it. It was his baby. And he started getting phone calls when um, a CEO named Yishan Wong was having struggles at, at the helm of Reddit. And he started getting calls from his buddies. You know, the Silicon Valley is all very connected. And mm-hmm. everyone likes to back-channel from investors to board members to the founders. And he was getting all these different messages like, you should, you should come back. I think we need you. You know, I think... 
I think Reddit needs you. And he said for years, no, 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 I'm not doing it. He was upset that Alexis was on the board. He was upset that Alexis had shares of his company mm-hmm. that he built. And he was, you know, he had been his best friend, didn't know how to relate to the guy anymore. And, um, you know, after a couple years of getting those sort of phone calls and text messages, one night, one night, um, he was, and I, I wish I had been there to see his decision-making process happen, but he um, was at a friend's birthday party in Sonoma, and that's the entire site of Reddit was blacking out in a very dramatic fashion. Moderators, who are the people who um, run various subreddits, moderators were making the decision to turn their subreddits <coughs> private, therefore cutting them off to the entire you know, viewing audience, yeah. basically rendering the site useless um, in this revolt caused by a decision Ellen Powell had, and, and Alexis Ohanian had made. And Steve saw his, this thing he built basically flaming out and then started getting those phone calls again. And he said he got, he got um, you know, uh, one of the board members on the phone and said, fine, I will do it. <laughs> and he said, I'll make it happen. And, and he was ready to walk into that office two days later. Um, the, trans, the leadership transition actually took about a week. But that Friday, he walked back into Reddit's office, um, into an office full of people he had never met, and told them how he had started the company and that he was, he was back. So, Christine, what was the decision that Ellen Powell made that caused the revolt? Oh, well, it's a very tricky situation, um, but basically a very popular employee who managed a lot of the moderators and who was their only lifeline to the company, her name was Victoria Taylor, she was dismissed from her position, and, you know, no one in the Reddit community had any warning that this was happening. Mm -hmm. No one in the Reddit community really knew that Reddit itself as a company had been in transition under Ellen Powell, Mm -hmm. um, and, and, you know, what her goals were for it, and my Moderators felt like they hadn't been given any tools or any any ways to grow their communities, and they felt very alienated. And when you alienate your social audience, especially people that you have given power and who basically work as volunteers for free and hold your site up, uh, mm. that's very dangerous. So Ellen was subject to terrible harassment and you know a, an online petition for her to leave her job, her, mm. her role. And this is after she had been through the entire Kleiner Perkins trial. I mean, this was right. this was terrible. Stuff. Yeah, because that's how I know her. Yes, absolutely. Um, and she went through the trial while she was, you know, in her early days at Reddit. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think it, it, you know, informed her decision-making process a little bit about what is what other humans can say to one another, um, even online and anonymously. And um, I think that's really, that's admirable. Um, but the harassment she went through was very terrible. And then she was basically given, um, you know, she says that that the board gave her all of a sudden very aggressive growth goals that she could not meet, and she resigned. Mm, okay. um, you know, that, that plays out. You can you read mm. the book for, for more on that. But, um, you know, she, uh, so it, mm. she leaves the company, and the company is also sort of blacking out. The site is blacking out. The company, the employees have gone through, you know, three years of drama at that point, if they are even still employed by the company. And so it's just a company in, in chaos and crisis. And, and that's Christine, a- you know, we have just about a minute Sorry. left, and I yes. want Mike to get the, just yes. the last question. Uh, yeah, sure. Christine, okay, so Christine, that's kind of a step back into. That's uh, summary question here, Rick, uh, just a couple minutes to go. Uh, the title of your book is We Are the Nerds, and there's at least a title around of a couple articles and maybe even another book, The Revenge of the Nerds. <laughs> so yeah. uh, uh, if we all want to become nerds and there's a 
pretty good storyline in your book that it's a it's a it's a good thing to have done and look look what they've created. Yeah, yeah. Give us a good definition of a nerd and how do we become oh, one? Oh gosh, I don't know what's a nerd. <laughs> well, I was I, I just think it's so funny that this it used to be a put down and now yeah. everyone everyone wants to be a nerd, the right? You totally. Know, uh, I've been signing books, uh, you know, long live the nerds or stay nerdy. <laughs> yeah, totally. <laughs> and I made buttons that say nerd and people are loving to wear them. Um, and not just to represent the book because they want to feel like part of a community that's doing totally. these things. I think it's become a, kind of synonymous with with not caring what other people think and yeah. doing your own thing and, um, and building something cool, maybe. Determined, it's, smart. Uh, maybe a little bit socially disconnected, but that's okay uh, because we're building something nobody yeah. else has ever done. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> like, Christine, no I think working hard, right? Yeah, I, I think the important thing for us to to end on here is just to acknowledge that you and I were on the vanguard of the oh. nerd movement. Yeah, right. Yeah. I mean, it, it might not it might not just be glasses and braces, right? It may <laughs> ex- it may extend to okay. many other things as well. But um, but we we can claim to have gotten this thing started. Absolutely, Good. there we go. Right. And Jeff, right. we want to be you. <laughs> yeah, that's it. <laughs> so, Christine, we want to thank you so much for joining us tonight. Um, how can our listeners keep up with your work and and find out more about the book? Absolutely, they can always go to um, my website, which is scrappy but has a lot of stuff on it uh, christinelegorio.com you can check out the book anywhere you buy books amazon.com uh, indie you go to, to your local bookstore anywhere you like please buy it it's called we are the nerds <laughs> and you can also check out my work on ink.com or an in ink magazine um, where i am senior writer all right. Thanks so much for Thank being with you. us tonight, Christine. Thank you so much. This has been fun. All right. And for our listeners, we have just scratched the surface of the, the stories that are told here in the book. Um, it is, I, mean, I, I would put it among the thickest books we've, we've <laughs> yes. carried in some time. Yes, absolutely. Right. So um, we'll encourage our, our listeners, um, definitely, if, if this intrigued you, go out, get a copy of the book, um, and you will, uh, you'll benefit from the very compelling narrative. Um, Adam Grant, our very good friend, calls it a gripping read full of lessons for building startups. So with that, um, we're going to transition just ahead. We'll be talking about corporate boards and shareholder activism with Wharton graduate Bruce Goldfarb. I'm Jeff Klein. That's Mike Useem and Ann Greenhall. And you're listening to Leadership in Action on Business Radio, powered by the Wharton School, Sirius XM 132. For more guest interviews, check out our Wharton Business Radio Highlights podcast on iTunes and Google Play.